Hey Blenders, on this week's show, we break down our five most anticipated films of 2021. WandaVision drops and we talk about the first two episodes and Yahya Abdul-Mateen II joins the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Blenders, and welcome, welcome to episode number 149 of Real Blend, a podcast that is dedicated to Kevin Feige's quarantine beard. My name is Sean O'Connell, the managing editor here at Cinema Blend, and one of the co-hosts of this wonderful show. On this week's show, we're going to do our five most anticipated movies of 2021, uh, individually, so that could mean as many as 15 movies for 2021. Uh, WandaVision drops this week on Disney+, and we're going to discuss the first two shows uh, that you guys will be able to see, and then the fantastic Yacht. Yaya Abdul-Mateen II joins the show to discuss his role in Aaron Sorkin's The Trial of the Chicago 7 and several other projects that he's involved in. But I'm going to begin this week's show by introducing the guys and going right to Gabe Kovach, who is filling in for Kevin McCarthy, who's under the weather. Gabe, how are you, sir? I'm good. Glad to be here. I'm sorry Kevin couldn't be here. I hope, I hope I he's already feeling better by the time folks are listening to this. But yeah, happy to be here. Happy to be here as well, too. Uh, and the third chair, Jake Hamilton, Fox 32 in Chicago. Hi, Jake. Hey, buddy. Um, you know, I know I don't know Kevin Feige as well as you do. Um, yes. Which if, if people haven't watched your interview with him on YouTube. Close personal friend. Amazing. But like, does he not normally? I don't remember him having like a striking beard in that video. It was is, is that like more so than he normally has? Like, oh, he's he's usually very clean shaven and gets a lot of critique for looking like um, a a man baby almost. Like, uh, grown... what circles are you hanging out in? Where they're yeah, it was I... ba- we, <laughs> you, oh, we, you we discuss completely the different people that I follow on Twitter. Apparently, no, no, no. I mean, we I'm in chat rooms that discuss Kevin Feige on. <laughs> on the daily and uh no i just like like was it 1998 what chat rooms are you in he's never (laughs) when you log in with your your aol AOL uh, chat rooms on my myspace i have a a myspace account that we discuss kevin feige no you know how um if like someone who's never had like like let's say one day i showed up to the real blend uh show and had any kind of facial hair whatsoever. I wish you would. I you really guys would be. Would. No, I, I physically am not able to. Because like, you don't have a can-do attitude. What I get here <laughs> is like the 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 wiry uh, yeah. wisps. Of, yeah, right. Yeah. Like who even of like a of like a fifteen-year-old boy essentially. You're describing um, my facial hair, Sean. So be careful. No, you yours know? is yours is uh, is very handsome. I oh, find that if you wear like <laughs> other than like fifteen year old boy t shirts, then you can grow 50, more than fifteen year old boy facial hair. Oh, that's not going to happen anytime soon. So. <laughs> uh, but my point being is that when Feige showed up with 
a beard, let alone any beard. And 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 mind you, it's not even just me. Like I posted the interview to the YouTube channel for Cinema Blend. Not that I posted it. And it's doing it. very well. It's doing like, very well. Like after like 10 minutes and like 10,000 views. And I uh, got really excited by all the comments. It has a lot of comments as well, too. Over 200 comments. And 80% of them are about Kevin Feige's beard. <laughs> I, I, I watched that entire thing and yeah. never even noticed. Well, again, you have your priorities misconstrued. Uh, if you are also watching us on YouTube, because we do a video component of this show. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Hopefully you've hit uh, like and subscribe at this point. If you're listening to us where you get your podcast needs met, please hit the descriptions where we will have information on how you can go over to the YouTube channel and subscribe because a lot of times we have video of the people that we're interviewing, including uh, this week's guest, Yahya Abdul-Mateen, who we're going to throw to in a hot minute. Uh, before we do that, we have to get to the weekly poll. And I'm going to throw it to Jake because I know now that Gabe has seen the results. And this one was <laughs> far closer. I mean, like ridiculously closer than I anticipated. Oh, I didn't like this one. Why? Because your choices were so random. Well, there are a lot of things coming. There I was, know, but of the ones that are coming, go ahead, tell people what it is. Okay, so the weekly poll that we posted on Friday was your most anticipated Marvel Studios project for 2021 is, and it's piggybacking on the fact that WandaVision is coming. So I included WandaVision for people who are excited. Uh, then I wanted another television project, so I put Loki. Um, then I figured I would include one of their film projects, which would be either Black Widow, Shang-Chi, uh, Eternals, and the third Spider-Man movie. Then, because I anticipated that if I put the third Spider-Man movie, the poll would be a runaway. So I chose Eternals. And then I gave people the fourth option of something else. So Jake, you would think four, You would think by that math, sorry to give you a hint, Jake, you would think... With so much left for people in something else that that would still just take it? Right. But that's not what happened. That's not what happened. Really? Go ahead. Uh, no, uh, other, this is, I honestly thought this was going to be the first time that other won. Well, here, I, I, I'll give you the choices one more time. WandaVision, Loki, Eternals, or Other. I really thought it would be Other because there's so much other stuff that's encapsulated with Other. Well, you're correct in that Other one. Okay. All right. Sort of. But... He, but here's the breakdown. This is crazy. WandaVision, 24.6%. Loki, 25.7%. Eternals, 23.2%. And Other, 265 24, who? 25, 23, and 26. Is this one of the closest polls we've ever had? It's, uh, it's easily far. the closest poll. By far. Yeah. That we have ever had. Uh, and stunning results for... So Loki, essentially second place... And then WandaVision people third do place. Love, people love Tom Hiddleston. My, my number one video on my YouTube channel, my number one of all of the videos I've posted oh. hmm. is Tom Hiddleston in my station here in Chicago uh, when he was here promoting a film he came in studio and we like had him stand in front of the green screen and do the weather and he did it as Loki. Um, <laughs> he like was talking about how like his brother Thor was coming through Chicago and, and that has like three plus million views, like more than of any course. of my interviews ever. Like how, much, how much money are you making off of that? Zero. <laughs> That's because yeah, that is a huge, a huge hit video. All right. So um, Gabe, what would you have voted for in that one? And if you're choosing something else, you got to tell me what your pick would be for most anticipated Marvel Studios project. 
I think I think Spider-Man three is like the answer for me because I sure. I love it so much. But I if I as you'll find later with anticipated, I think I'm more interested in intrigue. And I think with intrigue, there's got to be a little bit of mystery. You're not totally sure what you're going to get. So I would put Eternals mm-hmm. as okay. my pick yeah, because I have see, no idea what I'm going to get. Um, and I'm Eternals. excited for something that's hopefully fresh from from Marvel. So I'll go and I'll say that obviously Spider-Man three is my most anticipated, you know, if not of, of the entirety of 2021. Um, based on the, the trailers that showed for the Disney Plus shows that are coming um, between WandaVision, Loki and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The one that intrigued me the most was Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Really? Uh, it looks like it could be an extension, you know, a six or seven part version of what the Winter Soldier was. Captain America, the Winter Soldier, which is government intrigue, a uh, bit of spy thriller. There looks like there's a mysterious group involved. I like the fact they're bringing Daniel Brühl back. I thought he was a very effective villain uh, for Civil War. And um, and I like the chemistry between Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan. So I think that could be a lot of fun. And I think that show is eventually going to get around to revealing who the next Captain America ends up being. You notice very specifically in that trailer, they don't show anybody uh, donning the sword, uh, donning the shield. And I figured like that would be the big reveal of the trailer. And it wasn't. And so I assume they'll get to the point where. Uh, that, where that's that my big revealed. thing about the the MCU shows for me. I need them to be relevant to the big picture story. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're, if we're talking like an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. thing, which, let's be honest, you didn't really need to watch in the grand scheme of understanding what the MCU story was, then, then I'm not interested. Like, I want, like with WandaVision, you know, people are saying, oh, WandaVision's going to set up this. And you you think, you know, uh, well, you know Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to set up the next cap. Cool, I'm all for, like, I, I will give you 10 weeks of my time if that's the case. But don't, like, create these shows and have, like, if, if, if I can get by in the MCU without watching them, then I don't want them. Like, like they should be required watching. I don't know. That might be a hard ask. I, I could see, I could see it's a studio. Disney. They, they, they gave us like, well, they had the, they, the biggest film of all time required you to watch 21 previous films in order to understand it. Yeah. But I don't know. Required. But when you're talking about, you don't, think, um, you, don't, you don't think, you don't think Endgame required you to watch the rest of the MCU to understand oh, it? No, I think required implies that they forced me to watch it. I, I gladly watch. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Like, like, it's, like once, it's, once not gonna, it's not going to mean anything to you unless unless right. you watch it. Sure. My my point and being I, is, I, I'm curious. What I hope they go that way, and I, it'll 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 provide an experiment for this. But I'm curious yeah. of how how much of that audience is really dedicated enough to invest the time in a tv show or if they're just like i just want to watch the movies even if it's just from a from their experience of how tv shows tie in where it's usually not that important well and and that's what i was going to ask do you think it's arrogant that marvel almost assumes like whatever they put out you're going to watch and they'll tie in together like i i bring up and uh and i can't remember who said it to me but we were talking about the marvel movies and this person was like i'm pretty sure i've seen like three or four of them like I've seen Doctor Strange, <laughs> I yeah. think I saw one of the Thors. Like the casual audience, I kind of wonder if if Marvel Studios, as big as they are, has left a component of the casual audience in the dust. Because like if you just pick up Wandavision to the this Friday, you can't just pick up Wandavision. No, 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 no. Right? If you're on Disney Plus, you're like, all right, I'll give this a try. Yeah. You will have no clue what has happened. But honestly, like I've kind of I'm into that. I mean, the, one of the reasons that I really fell in love with Lost and Lost made me fall in love with serial television over episodic is I like to be rewarded for my loyalty. If mm, I'm yeah. going to give a show six years of my life, if I'm going to tune in every week, 
I want to be rewarded for, you know, I don't, you know, and granted I get every, every show is going to have, you know, an episodic episode here and there, but I don't like the idea of a, a show where I can pop in in the middle of season four, watch an episode and understand it in its entirety. Like I should be lost if I join right. you in the middle of episode or season four. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I want to be rewarded for sticking around and giving you my time. It'll be interesting to see where they land on the spectrum of that. Like, do they go as far as like, Oh, if you if you caught the if you caught the TV shows, then you'll realize that when so and so pops up or when something happens in the movie, there's a bit of continuity that that is a through line, and that's interesting if you saw it. Or will it be even as heavy as like we're introducing this character, and they'll have a cinematic introduction that if you didn't see it, it'll feel like mm. a character's coming on screen. But if you watched, you know, She Hulk or whatever, yeah, you'll have this whole you'll have this whole experience with this character that when they hit the screen, it'll feel that much better i mean i'll tell you in in our own house the one thing i'm is i'm one of the people who so believes in the brand and obviously i'm a huge fanatic anyway but i think that like marvel has proven himself that their brand is strong enough that whatever they put out i'd be curious to watch sure pj my oldest son who is i think a a pretty dedicated fan when i bring up wandavision and i'm like hey i got three episodes of wandavision he was like meh I was like, what do you mean, Matt? And he goes, I don't know. I just don't care that much about those characters. Yeah, I get that, though. Yeah. I think that's probably the case for who we are referring to as the the average Mm -hmm. Marvel viewer. Also, I think it's such it's so high concept. Yeah. You know, I've had a lot of people come to me like, I don't get like this sitcom, which I know we're going to talk about later in the show. But I I know a lot of people have as much as as I think it intrigues a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of people that because it's not explained so far. Um, we've seen the right. first three episodes and we don't know what the bit is. I think people are just like, what, what the hell is like, they're in, they're in bewitched. They're in the Brady. Like, I don't understand that. So yeah. it's two characters that aren't the most popular Avengers in a circumstance, in a plot that could potentially be just way too, yeah, like too much for people to wrap their heads around. Yeah. All right. It's not as easy to consume as an episode of Mandalorian. Let's say yeah, there's yeah, yeah. no elevator pitch, right? Sure. Yeah. You're absolutely right. By the elevator pitch, you've hit your floor and the person you were speaking to has gotten off. <laughs> started <Yeah>. their day. <laughs> and you're like, but wait, wait, there's, there's but more. wait, there's even. more. Yeah, hold on, there's even more. Uh, all right, so we'll get to the the three episodes we have seen of WandaVision shortly in the show. But first, we want to get to our interview for the week. And we were lucky enough to get to speak to uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, who is just an incredibly smart uh, and in-tune actor who has some incredible incredible credits on his resume coming up we discuss all of those including specifically his work alongside aaron sorkin and that amazing ensemble in the trial of the Chicago seven which you can currently watch on netflix and is uh, heavily heavily in the awards race so without further ado our interview with yaya abdul mateen ii um, so, you know, one of the things that everyone said whenever the movie came out a few months ago, everyone kept talking about how timely and relevant the movie was, despite the fact that it was set decades ago. And, you know, the more I think about that, like, I guess I just want to ask you, is that is that a good thing that we're talking about a movie that w- with this topic that's still relevant 40, 50 years? I mean, like, don't don't you look forward to living in a time where Chicago 7 is no longer a relevant film? Uh, that's a great question, man. It's uh. I think it's. I think it feels good to be able to think like that. I think we need to be able to think like that, right? We need to be able to to to, to dream on a future where, um, where we look at a, a film like that and we learn about history, you know, and and we learn and we walk out of that uh, out of out of a film like that, thankful that we don't that that we no longer live in a time like that, right? Um, but I think 
uh, realistically, time and time again, people show that we are we tend to be creatures of habit. We tend to, you know, history tends to repeat itself. And so I'm I'm actually thankful that we have a film like that, uh, that we have writers like Aaron Sorkin who want to, uh, you know, touch on those subjects um, so that a film, so that that film can be a lesson, you know, so, so that we have some type of blueprint or maybe it's a lesson or, or for other people, it's a um, it's a warning or, you know, for other people, it's, it's inspiration to, uh, you know, to find the cause and to align yourself with the cause. So um, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I tend to, to be of the mindset that, uh, you know, uh, history will will repeat itself as long as as long as people are around. But hopefully, we have more and more uh, uh, people with a consciousness that um, that that allows for a world where that type of history uh, repeats itself less often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually in the Washington D.C. area. Obviously, it's right. been a bit of a week here um, yeah, in yeah, in yeah. D.C. And I wanted to ask you just after playing someone like Bobby Seale how it changes the lens you view the world through, like the, the way you view news and the way that things are happening in our, in our world right now. Um, I, I mean, obviously you are the person you are, you're playing a character in a movie yeah, who yeah. actually really existed, but I wonder like how it changes the way you view news. Like when you see a story like the Capitol story in DC uh, this week or things that were happening around the release of your film, does it change the way you viewed them having played someone that impactful and important in history? Well, I want to separate the two. You know, I want to look at some of the events around uh, when our film came out first. Uh, that was a moment where it was so important to be outside. It was so important to be moved by, uh, by the actions of, of uh, Bobby Seale. You know, Bobby Seale was a uh, man who uh, put, him, put himself on the line. He put his freedoms on the line for something, for a cause that was worthwhile, for a cause uh, that was about himself, that was about other people, it was about um, humanity, it was about dignity. Um, it's about standing up for standing up for oppressed people, people who were oppressed by the government, people who were oppressed by um, by the police, you know, people who were being sent off to war when there were plenty of issues here at here at home uh, to be dealt with. And he um, he paid the price uh, for that. And and so um, I was, I, I would say as someone who, whose job it was to step into Bobby Seale's shoes and to step into the life of a revolutionary in the 1960, in 1968, 1969 in America, uh, I was very uh, honored, you, you know, honored to live in that moment, to have a film come out where I was representing one of those figures in that moment, in a time where the world needs, uh, needs, needs examples of those figures from history. Uh, and so that was my, uh, that was very much my, uh, my relationship with being in, in the zeitgeist at the time mm. of that. A couple of days ago, what happened a couple of days ago, uh, I went to sleep, man. I, 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 I cut the TV off. I did some yoga. Um, I listened to my music. I relaxed. And I had, an, I had a beautiful day because that, is that was none of my business, you know? And how often does a person like Bobby Seale, how often would a person like Bobby Seale get to look, get to look out and to see uh, 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 things happening out in the world, violent things happening, out, happening in the world and have the luxury of saying, mm. oh, not wow. this time. I'm gonna sit back and I'm gonna kick my feet up because 
that's none of my business. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so so I gave myself the luxury that that I deserve, you know, I think as a black man, as a black American, um, as someone who has spent a lot of my time and effort on what I believe is the right side of history and fighting for mm-hmm. the right causes and a lot of a lot of emotional effort as well. Um, and so I think that, um, you know, Bobby Seale would have looked at that and said uh, he wouldn't have been surprised. Uh, uh, he would have seen it coming a long time ago, but he would also have, have said, I believe, you know what, that's not my business. I'm going to set this one out. And, uh, and, it's, and it's perfectly fine because I think, you know, when do revolutionaries get a break? You know, uh, right. any time that, uh, that, that he deserved a break, it was a couple of days ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was a there's a moment in the film uh, that we you know wouldn't bring up the first time through and press um, because it's such a gut punch and not that it's a spoiler in any kind of way, but you want it to have the impact and land uh, when people see it for the first time, which is Bobby being uh, bound and gagged in the courtroom. Uh, Now that we can circle back around to it, I just I need to know like your preparation for that scene. Is it something that you wanted to do early? Is it something you had to ramp up to? Um, Did you want to get it done in one take? Was it emotionally impactful for you? Can you just discuss the filming of that scene? Yeah, 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 sure. You know, that that, that scene was something that um, you never know what's going to happen in those scenes like that. And I, I, I didn't want to go in with, ex- with expectations in terms of performance. I wanted to go into that with, the, uh, with, a, uh, uh, with a duty, you know. My duty was to um, protect, was to one, be an advocate for Bobby Seale's experience and to preserve his humanity. You know, throughout the entire course of the trial, I think Bobby Seale um, was, was made an example of, uh, it, was, it was the easiest to make an example of him, um, you know, um, and, 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 and they, it, there was an, a clear attempt to take away his, his manhood and his humanity in that moment. So um, I knew that it was my job as an actor to grab hold of the things that made me human, that made Bobby Seale human, that made him a man, that made him a man of principle and integrity, and to hold on to that for dear life. And, um, and then walk through the fire and see how far I could get while holding on to that. So I knew that I, that, 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 uh, I would have to put myself through, uh, you know, through, a, through a struggle, but that's, you know, oftentimes that's the, that's the job of an actor, you know. Um, if it if it calls for that, you know, one of the things that I like to say about that film is, or, or about that moment in the film was that that film that that moment wasn't designed to uh, silence Bobby Seale. He had been speaking mm-hmm. out and things like that, and it may appear as though it was designed to silence him, but what it what it really was, it was designed to uh, to break his spirit yes. and to make sure that once the gag came off, that he was not going to stand up and speak out any longer after that. And if you could break his spirit, a person like Bobby Seale, then you could break everyone. Then, then no one else had a chance, you right. know. So I tried to armor myself with all of that information um, and all of that, um, all of that, uh, you know, that that emotional, um, emotional information, that emotional armor, and then walk through that, and then you know, walk through that fire, you know. And and, and I didn't care. I I, I stayed in that in that uh, position. Um, when we were off, even when I was off camera, you know, because it was important for my, for the, for everyone else wow. in the courtroom to be able to see that and to be able to be physically, emotionally, 
affected by that, you know. Is that your choice to do that, to stay in Yeah, that was my choice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was my choice to, uh, to, to, to stay emotionally, you know, connected to that. Um, you know, because there's a lot going on and, you know, my performance off camera can inspire someone else to, yeah. to, to, you know, to give a great performance. You know, it could, it could teach someone else in that moment, you know, and then when the camera comes, you know, comes back to me, uh, I just have to, as an actor, I just have to have the faith that I filled it up. I, I filled my well up enough that I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna run out. That is there when I need it, you know? Mm. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's wow. amazing. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm going to shift gears and I, I did want to get in a question about what I think is one of the greatest pieces of pop culture I've ever seen in my entire life, which is Watchmen. Um, yeah. I geeked out with you last time we spoke. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the only so thing good. that frustrates me about Watchmen Uh-oh. is, no, no, it has nothing to do with you, is the fact that, that Alan Moore, who yeah. famously won't watch his adaptations, uh-huh. will never see how unbelievably good it is like to the point where as much as i love his work i wish i could grab him by the lapels <laughs> like put him in front of a tv and just be like dude watch <laughs> this man um yeah, if you yeah, could yeah. watch your watchman with alan moore and when it's done kind of maybe ask him a question get his thoughts on some aspect of it what what, what is a, a moment or what is an aspect of your watchman that you'd love to get his thoughts on it's a great question man i i, I think i just say um so how do we do? You know, <laughs> I think just the simple. So how do you know? So how do we do? I liked our show, and, and you know, I like my, sh- I like our show for different reasons depending on what day it is. Sometimes I like it because it's black. Other times I like it because you get to kick racists in the mouth. You know, other times I like it, um, mm. you know, because we invited a lot of, you know. Um, a lot of people had to sit at that table in order to in order to enjoy that uh, in order to enjoy that series, you know. So you got people who who watch you know uh, action. You got people who watch uh, 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 dramas, HBO shows, um, black dramas. You got fans of Regina King. You got people who just kind of fell into it because they they like you know they 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 love Damon. You got people who came into it with their arms crossed. You know, knowing that it, knowing that it wasn't going to be anything worthwhile, and then by the end they were, you know, salivating over it and, 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 and couldn't wait. So, um, you know, it was a show that 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 brought a lot of people together, and I would love to just have the opportunity to say, so hey, you know, so what did you think of our show? Uh, <laughs> what did you think of your of your show? You know, yeah. in our minds, and and and, and I, I'd see where he go from there. Oh, yeah, so the, thank the, you for yeah, thank you for indulging me with that one. Um, yeah. the, the bar sequence is obviously one of the most incredible uh, scenes I've ever seen and from a TV or even movie standpoint. I actually wanted to ask you about the stillness of the character. Yeah. Um, I think what's brilliant about what you do with Dr. Manhattan is he, he's so powerful, but at the same time, he comes across, across very still. It's, it's a very, it's, it's a very um, chilled delivery in the sense of the way he speaks, and, but he's talking about such heavy material. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask about that, that idea of being an actor saying the things you're saying, having the power that your character has, yeah. but vocalizing him in such a still way. I think it was yeah. just kind of like, to me, that's what kind of resonated so well. Yeah, well, he has the type of power that you, that one doesn't, um, it doesn't help him, it doesn't help him, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't need assistance, you know? Um, so he, he has the power, he goddamn knows that he has it, you know? <laughs> Uh, and so it, it, he's incredibly frustrating. I remember I told I, uh, the first day that we were filming the bar with Regina in between the takes, we were maybe 
a couple hours in and I leaned over, I said, I'm so sorry. I said, <laughs> I said I'm so sorry if I'm not giving you uh, what you need as an, you know, as an actor, we wanna, I want to I wanna give, you know, right. the more I give, maybe the more I get back, but, but definitely I want to be a good scene partner, especially, especially for Regina King, you know, and, um, and, but I knew I kind of had the same mind is that this character, he's, he's, he's going to sit back and he doesn't need a lot of physical effort. What you need to do as an actor is to have the visual understanding, is to have a crystal clear understanding so that you can be effective without, without much of a show. So, you know, my goal was to make sure that he was a powerful, extremely high status and extremely frustrating person to deal with. And sometimes that means that um, the, the agreement is that, you know what, I'm never going to come to you. You know, you're always I'm going to approach you and I'll say, would you like to have a would you like to go on a date with me? You know, <laughs> um, and then I'm going to sit down in the seat. But after that, you know. After that, we'll see. You know, uh, uh, I won't. I won't give so much effort physically. I'll mm. give a lot of. I'll, I'll make you work a lot from the brain. You know, so um, yeah. it was fun. It was fun, but I imagine extremely uh, uh, frustrating to be to be his partner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We could honestly talk film with you uh, all day and storytelling. Um, we have the time for one more question. I also sure. just want you keep mentioning Regina King too. I hope you had a chance to see one at Miami. It's it's amazing. It's so I have not seen it yet, but I cannot oh. wait. I can't wait to see it. Oh, I got the screener, man. It. You can come over. Yeah, <laughs> it it is unbelievable. She crushed it. Crushed yeah. it. All star, man. She's so great. Um, I but I do want to get your insight into this because you know coming off of Watchmen and its success on HBO Max, uh, there's a lot of people who are are um, wondering how we're going into 2021 with a lot of HBO films or uh, WB films that are going to be going to streaming in theaters, yeah. and they worry that you know entertainment doesn't play quite as well on streaming. You obviously have. The Matrix movie, which we talked about, you know, how do you feel about the fact that some people might see a movie like that at home on streaming because of, of where we're at right now? Look, I love movies. I love going to the movies. I walked past the uh, the movie at the at the Grove. I was I was shopping at the Grove the other day. Walked past the movie the other day and got a little bit down because I I, I wanted mm. to go in. I, I missed that. That's my place of not my place of employment, but it's just about my my place of employment where, where you know where I get to show my show my work. Um, I think we're in a situation where we have to do what's best to keep what's best so that we can get back. You know, mm -hmm. of course, without a doubt, the Matrix should be shown on the largest screen possible. I don't think there's anyone who would argue that. Um, what does, uh, um, at the end of the day, I think we, I, I want people to still see it because mm -hmm. I think if we're still if we're still in the situation where the Matrix, where our films have to be shown um, in the safest way. And the safest way is to be in in our own homes. Then hopefully um, our films are, are bringing uh, some type of joy and uh, and ease and entertainment, you know, to the homes. But after that, I would definitely want to get back. I definitely want people to get back out and see Mad Max on the biggest screen possible, and see Aquaman two on the biggest screen possible. Um, uh, because we we you know we dream at those scales, we 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 imagine at those scales, and I think we want to celebrate our films at that at that scale as well. Excited about your Furiosa movie, man. It's yeah, gonna be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so excited about Anya yeah. Taylor Joy. It's a big one. It's gonna yeah, be cool, I, I man. I'll get to, I get yeah. to do some crazy character building with that one. 
Yeah. He's got some good credits on his resume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you have an amazing <laughs> filmography, man. Yeah, seriously. Well, they're telling us we have to wrap, but thank you so much for your time. Continued success with Chicago 7, too, and we really appreciate you coming back around and spending some time. I appreciate with you. y'all. Thank you so much. Yeah, Thanks, y'all. Thank you. Take care. Right, Bye, guys. This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Obviously, we want to thank Netflix for giving us time with uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, and hopefully we will continue to have him back on the show multiple times because he's got a lot of amazing films to talk about. Um, But we're going to shift over to talking points for the week because we're going to start resuming a conversation that was prevalent in 2021, and I am afraid it might be uh, still pretty relevant as we work our way through this year. Big movies on the release calendar getting pushed back. Um, Some of them are rumored, but one is confirmed. Jared Leto's uh, Sony picture, Morbius, which is a Marvel adaptation, which is part of the Spider-Man universe that doesn't have Spider-Man in it, (laughs) unusually, has moved from uh, March to October. And that's confirmed. It's officially moving back. And so along along with that report comes news that No Time to Die... The latest James Bond film, which is scheduled for April, is uh, potentially looking at a pushback. So we're looking ahead. We're in January right now. We're looking ahead to what theaters might look like and the vaccine rolling out. And these March and April films starting to think about the fact that they're not going to be ready uh, to screen in theaters. Uh, Jake, why don't you kick us off and tell us uh, how much trouble do you think we're in in terms of big movies coming and and when we're going to get to see them in a theater? I, I think it's interesting. Do you remember it really wasn't? that far from a year ago today that how drastic we kind of all thought universal was being by pushing fast and furious nine back a year 
Yep. Remember we were all, you know, because at that point, movies were kind of starting to push back. You know, I, I think Bond had pushed back to November. Some movies were being pushed back a month, two months, three months. And then when Fast 9 pushed back a year, we all thought, oh, my God, like, like eight, like what, what May 2021? Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. Um, and now, like, it's looking like that's probably not even going to happen. I mean, look, like, I, I, I think it's optimistic that we are at least having this conversation in a time where the vaccine is starting to roll out. And now we're mm-hmm. kind of starting to contemplate and contemplate a world in which movie theaters are opening back up and, and people are going to go back. But um, obviously that's a process that's just going to take time. I don't think any of us thought it was necessarily going to be right on schedule or move quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it doesn't necessarily, it's, it's a bummer because we're, you know, I feel like the first few months of the year, there really wasn't much going on anyway, but they're probably at a point where they have to decide not just marketing, but like Super Bowl. Like usually Super Bowl yeah. ads are huge and they probably are at a point where they're, they're at the make or break, you know, and you have to imagine probably a lot of those May films, if things were going to be on schedule, we're going to have Super Bowl ads. But is there a point in spending $3 million or whatever the price tag is this year if you don't know when people are going to be able to access your product? Um, so I think Super Bowl and the point that these, you know, the rollout promotion campaigns are going to have to start pretty soon if they were to come out in May. And which is why I think they are jumping ahead on making these decisions. Um, so yeah, I gotta be honest, man. I, I, all those big movies, I don't, I don't think we're seeing on a, on a big screen unless it's some kind of simultaneous, you know, VOD and where theaters are open kind of thing. Uh, Gabe, I'm numb to these changes. Uh, it, they used to be really shocking to me. Now they feel like they're a bit of the norm. Um, how do you feel with the idea of things potentially getting pushed back? Um, I kind of expected only because we had no idea what to expect with the first half of this year. Like as Jake had mentioned with the rollout of the vaccine kind of being hopeful more than anything, um, everything still felt like it was on, uh, it was still going to shift around. So for me, it wasn't a big surprise. It'll be interesting to see how far that goes in the year. Um, Mm -hmm. because I know everybody is, is really hoping that sometime this year, life in general will start to have a sense of normal to it so if movies can start to hit theaters and we can start to go to movies um you know by the end of the summer or something like that that would be that would be great i'm still holding out hope for that uh, but yeah, right now this like all feels optimistic it's optimistic well, we definitely yeah. we definitely agree that when the switch gets flipped we're not going to go from like what we're in now to full capacity theaters right, right. Sure. Right. We're going to have a, a period of time, potentially a long period of time, where we are under restrictions in terms of the number of people who are in houses. Yeah. Um, so there still is going to have to be that that guinea pig wave of films that doesn't mind going out. Now, is that is, are those the Warner Brothers films that that are under a VOD theater model? Does one other studio sort of go that route and become a VOD theater model so that we get to sort of ramp theaters back up? I kind of wonder if that's what we're looking at. Yeah, I mean, well, I feel like Warner Brothers has positioned themselves to kind of take advantage of the slow rollout mm-hmm. to give yeah. people the option of the movie theater experience if they so choose, but also take advantage of like, hey, we still need people to see these movies. And mm-hmm. so for people that aren't willing to to do it, okay, well then fork up the 15 bucks a month for HBO Max. Um, they might end up being sort of the, uh, the, the, the smartest person in the room when thinking about the fact that you're right, that, that, that the opening of theaters is not going to be the flick of a switch. It is going to be a slow, gradual, like like the vaccine. It is going to be a slow, gradual rollout 
yeah. is going to take time yeah. before we're at 100%. To, the, to that end, Sean, what are your thoughts on, I, I guess there are rumors about Black Widow being one of the a Disney Plus premiere movie or whatever they're calling it, where you have to pay 20 bucks or 30 bucks. I could see, I could absolutely see that being a test case um, that Disney uses that's stronger than Mulan for a film that people would pay for that's on the streaming service that is even still, well, I, I don't know if it's available in theaters and theaters are open near me, I would go to a theater to see it. Um, I would want to support the theater and it would theoretically be be cheaper to go see it that way. Um, but but not to make the show 100% Marvel, which has been very strong Marvel this week, um, if they want to keep their continuity flowing, now that's a prequel, so I don't know how much of it even ties into this bigger picture that Jake was referencing earlier, but there could be things in it that that feed I into the stronger I can't imagine narrative. there's not. I really can't imagine it, that it's just a an expendable film. Well, you know what I mean? Flores I hope Pugh, some of those characters plan on sticking around. Like, I, mean, yeah, I think that's a great I, I way to introduce you, yeah. someone from her past to bring up later, I think is great. Yeah, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think you cast someone like Florence Pugh to use her one time. Well, no, I think she's going to be in the Hawkeye show, the one that's filming right now with Ooh. Renner and um, Haley Seinfeld. So, and and that, well, like once it was noted that she's in that, everyone was like, oh, well, she's going to become the new Black Widow. Yeah, sure. They might, and I wonder, so. I wonder if they're just waiting to see... Um, when's the next show that's supposed to debut after WandaVision? Next Marvel show. Isn't it like, it's, like WandaVision ends one week and the next week is Falcon yeah, Soldier. Soldier. Soldier? Yes. I'm they curious, maybe, they're, the other. maybe they're waiting just to see how the Marvel audience responds to Disney Plus with those shows mm-hmm. before they make that kind of call too. I mean. Maybe. The other, well, first off, I would pay, if, if Black Widow is made available in May and it's only available on Disney Plus and it's yep. a, a extra fee because we can't go to theater right now, I would pay that in a heartbeat. I have no sure. problem paying that. Yeah. But I understand um, you that know, I, I, I'm that I, demo. I'm curious as to your thought. I, I read an interesting um, thought because someone was complaining. I saw when that article came out about Black Widow, the people were complaining about the idea of having to pay the $30, especially since we have been spoiled these past few weeks with uh, HBO Max and getting Wonder Woman and, and all those films, the films that we are going to be getting. And mm-hmm. someone brought up the idea of, is it getting these films so accessible for free that's making people like just so like watch them just so nonchalantly, like without really any care? Like, like should people not be used to getting a big, massive blockbuster for, like without paying essentially like 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 should we go back to reminding people that these big blockbusters need to be paid for i think we absolutely should um because yeah i think people kind of dismiss the studios of like how much do i actually owe the studios sure but you owe the studios a lot (laughs) you know i'm not trying to be a shill for them in any kind of way but they spend a ton of money to make this entertainment and you shouldn't just be uh handed it you know, uh, because because that's what it's at. Like the the industry thrives on blockbusters earning X amount of money, and that rising tide floats a ton of boats, including a bunch of things that are that are going to streaming that you're not paying for, and a bunch of other films that that smaller filmmakers are getting to to do their films that you might not be able to go out and see, but they're giving them those opportunities. The big right. blockbusters fund all that stuff. Well, but this sort of feeds us into. Oh, Go ahead, Gabe. But it no, feeds into our next topic in a huge way. I, and I just think that audience and our audience is probably privy to this just because of how much they pay attention. But like, on top of on top of that sort of uh, behavior that we need to make sure people have 
hopefully people realize that if you start getting something that's that's that expensive for free, your experience is going to get worse. And whether that's because they reduce the amount of money they're willing to invest or they have to uh, they have to pivot to other kind of tactics like putting ads in the middle of shit. Yeah, it really to a point movement. where like Matrix Four has like eight commercial breaks. Yeah, uh, or you know, or yeah, or you hit start on it, and it's like when you go sit in a theater early, and there's all those commercials, and you can't skip it. You're at home, and you can't skip it. You know, or yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> imagine that. Right, right uh, now the studios are listening to this, just writing all this stuff down. Right, and I'm and I'm spitballing here, but it's it's an inevitability that if 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 you're not paying them a premium for it if you're not paying yeah. them money up front if they're not expecting a return directly on the investment they got to have to figure out other ways like advertising well, to to meet to to meet that goal i'll give you a a personal uh, example of that uh that I face every single day which is um i watch part of the interruption one of my favorite shows uh on television and i watch it on hulu because i don't pay for the espn premium app Right. And when I hit the commercial break and it comes up and it says 270, <laughs> I, it, it's like it chips away a piece of my soul because I can't skip past it. So yeah. if they do figure out some kind of way to put commercial breaks, you know, throughout a movie that you want to watch or like you say, that pre-roll at the beginning that you just can't skip. Oh, God, they're going to make that. Yeah. That whole or they experience start, atrocious. Or it, gets, it, it gets even more nefarious than that where it's this is a larger tech you know sort of issue but they start selling your information to advertisers in order to make money on the back that happens with a lot of stuff already where you know you you think you're getting a product for free but really Mm -hmm. they're using you as the product in order to make money and it's it's never a great it's never a great deal to get something for free it's just never gonna be when except for this show Except for this yeah, show. Exactly. Whoa, whoa, except <laughs> for five dollars. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but to free. that point, you know, if if you're if the the movie going experience because we're not paying for it to a degree starts getting worse, then a lot of our favorite filmmakers are going to start jumping ship. You mm-hmm. know, like you you think you think Martin Scorsese would ever let someone release <laughs> one of his films? with like commercial breaks in it or, or, you know, hell we'd be there for 18 hours watching, you know, they're already, you know, long, you know, long there, but yeah, like I, you know, I can't imagine, you know, and then all of a sudden Netflix is like the sole proprietor for every great filmmaker out there. Right. Right. And then Netflix costs $80 a month because of how much, you know, like they're, they're showing out. Eventually it evens out one way or the other, one way or the other, we are going to be paying. Yes. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Netflix because they seem to be the antithesis to this discussion that we are having, uh, which is paying for something because we should reward the studios, uh, you know, so picking up a premium slice. Netflix instead decides that in 2021, they're going to drop a new film every week (laughs) onto their service uh, for all of us to enjoy. And while I had a couple of people point out to me uh, before like having this conversation, they were like, yeah, but it doesn't, it doesn't guarantee like one really good movie every single week. <laughs> well, no, I will still... no studio ever guarantees that. <laughs> no, but I'll at least get, say that like, there's a slate of filmmakers who are attached to a lot of those projects. Absolutely. And what struck me as, uh, so they had a trailer, like a montage trailer of everything coming for 2021. And it is star studded. Like they kick it off with the uh, Red Notice, which is The Rock and Gal Gadot and Ryan Reynolds um, in a film Spreadsheet by... Heaven for whoever put that cast together. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Um, uh, the guy, Ross and Thurber Marshall, that's... Well, that's a, no offense to that, that man, I'm sure he's extremely nice. That's just the worst 
uh, name. That's just I can never get his name down pat. I feel like I'm missing something Ooh. throughout it. He directed Central Intelligence oh, okay. uh, with The Rock. He directed We're the Millers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's got a couple of big things. Oh, Dodgeball. He directed Dodgeball. And his, his name is Rawson Thurber. I want to say Miller, but it's Marshall um, is what it comes up as. Anyway, he directed that. Uh, Zack Snyder has Army of the Dead that's coming. Uh, they show their first footage for that. The The clip ends with, well, it has uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who's directing his first film. Holly Berry is directing her first film. Um the clip ends with Adam McKay's film that he's directing with, hello, Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh my so God. <laughs> it's like, like you do. We have discussed the line disappearing, you know, between I'm a movie star and my movie goes to Netflix. That Netflix trailer was the mic drop of everybody's coming over here to work for us. I feel like the last year has really been an indicator that a big name attached to a film, um, especially a streaming film, does not equate quality. Uh, it's fantastic as an entertainment reporter because I looked at that slate and I looked at that trailer of all the films coming out and thought, ooh, that's a junket. Ooh, that's a junket. Ooh, yep. that's, a, that's, a, that's an interview I want. That's an interview I want. Um, I will say the batting average on the quality of, of films that, uh, that they put out is not all, you know, for every trial of the Chicago seven, you got 10 films that you just sort of go. Sure. Hmm. I was waiting and, to you know, see and, what and, film you were going to throw under the bus. There. <laughs> <laughs> nah, not that stupid. Uh, but yeah, you get, you know, and, and there have been a lot of really great stars for which we've gotten some great interviews attached yeah. to films that really weren't that great. And I think I would just be a little bit more excited about that big announcement if the batting average for those films was just a little bit higher. Because okay. at this point, the stars aren't really doing it for me, man. I got to be like, like seeing all those people like, sure. Okay, that's great. But like, is the I, I'd rather have a bunch of great movies with no name people than all of those faces attached to movies that I don't like. For sure. But I will say this in the conversation that's that's going about the streaming services and what should you uh, subscribe to and when you cut the cord and how many streaming services is too much. A lot of the conversation lately has been about Disney Plus and HBO Max because sure. of different move, moves that they have made. Warner Brothers obviously letting all their theatrical slate come to the, to the service and yeah. Disney Plus having Marvel and Star Wars has been very, very helpful to them. I thought this was maybe not a needed move, but a very smart move by Netflix to say, hold on, we got a lot of stuff cooking as well, too, and make sure that you're sitting up and paying attention to what we're going to break. Now, is all of it going to work? Not necessarily. Um, but I think that they're going to be a pretty strong player in this ongoing uh, Oscar race as well, too. This may become the year that they solidify um, a Best Picture win potentially uh depending on how things all shake out um they got a lot of talent that's going out for certain things so um so we'll see i mean i thought it was really important for them to to not that their name was ever off the radar but put it back onto the radar as disney plus and hbo max were making a lot of work. i was gonna say which which one of those announcements do you think caused them to have the board meeting to put this video together was it was it hbo max it, it's it gotta it be the hbo plus? max one right that was the yeah, one that really also had to come together and go I remember okay, we yeah. joked because as soon as that announcement happened, I got a notification that was like, look at all this stuff that's coming to Netflix from the Netflix app. And I was like, somebody's freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> someone, someone called the meeting. Yeah. All right. And, um, and right now Disney Plus is going, 
we still got Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Disney Plus announced 10 Star Wars films or 10 Star Wars projects and Marvel announced uh, 12 projects. Look, I've paid for Disney Plus for 84 months. You know what I want? Well, watched? you paid it all up front, remember? The Mandalorian. <laughs> you know. don't use it for anything else? No. I No, I don't. I'm trying to think what else I use it for. Well, I use it for Marvel. I use it for Marvel because I because I I own everything. Like like okay, well, but like okay, I have all the Marvel movies. I have you I watched have, Soul. Have... You watched Ooh. Soul and you loved it. I did, yeah. But I loved it. <laughs> that alone is worth your subscription, right there. I gotta be honest, dude. I I think right now, dollar for dollar, I think HBO Max is way better value than Disney Plus. Um, I mean, I can't make in that terms of, in terms of, of the, the Marvel like, stuff. The the quality of the films. Yeah. They got yeah. all the decent. Okay, okay, Mister Snyder Cut. Yeah, you got you got all the DC films, and you got Snyder Cut's not on there yet. It's not on there yet. And in a couple of weeks, hope I know. Don't have that date yet, unfortunately. But you know, I and I'm not. But we do have a date for the book. We do March first. I am not sliding HBO Max in the least bit. I think that their programming is phenomenal. Uh, I, I would, I would drop, and I've made this argument to Michelle. I would drop Netflix before I dropped either of those two. Um, but Michelle watches Netflix a ton. She watches a lot of shows. She binges a lot of shows that she's never caught up on. So she's currently locked into something called Southern Charm, which is a reality television show set in Charleston. Big soap opera type thing. A lot of fun. Hard pass on my book. <laughs> yeah, it's not really up your alley, but have any of you guys watched? Uh, and, and and I guess we should be talking about it or at least watching it um, because he might be the new Bond. But have you guys watched Bridgerton? No, no, not yet. I. My I've... mom really likes it, which yeah, is something. Is I'm he in the middle be the of next uh... Bond. He did say his his response to the rumors was a very charming and honest response when he was asked about it. He basically said, like, if you're a British actor within a certain age, you're going to be rumored to play James <laughs> Bond. Yes, and that was the first one where I went like, it's true, man. It's, it's very true. true. But uh, you know, I. He, what are you in the middle of Gabe what'd you say you're in the middle of oh I'm in the middle of watching speaking of soap operas uh, Downton Abbey I'm watching for the first oh, time oh I like Downton Abbey I yeah. love it I'm hopelessly addicted it's it's melodramatic as hell but oh uh, sure in a great way and man so many great people came from yeah it's so I mean obviously there are already there are great people that guess they were already yeah. established actors um, but there's so many great young talent that came out of that um, let's shift over to the Gotham Awards which is one of the first big award ceremonies to happen in this bizarro best superhero in Gotham goes to uh, Batman. Goes to... <laughs> uh, we'll go through the we'll, we'll just go through some of the big winners and the big takeaways. Uh, Nomadland ended up winning best feature, and Nomadland to me, I'm starting to pay attention to the awards race, and I'm starting to pay attention to what's making we're some. Not, we're not headway. even done with the window in which movies can be. We, we still are not. have other movies. I'm, I'm watching uh, Judas and the Black Messiah tonight. Oh, I got that link. Um, no Man Land does feel like it's getting some traction at the very least. Sure. It feels like a movie sure. that people are getting behind. That Minari also or feels like is it's... it that movie that like we all think is going to be it, and then we realize that it actually peaked way too early and something else. Is it is it the Social Network? Is it the Star Is Born? Because there's always be. that movie yeah. that we all kind of think. Because we also kind of I mean I know we're talking about the Gotham Awards. The the, the critic oftentimes and I know it's like top of all these like critics awards and everything. Those don't always or even often correlate or transfer to the Oscars. Correct. And there are a lot of things that can happen between now and April. Sure. A lot of big movies we haven't seen yet. That will shift the narrative a thousand times. Well, yeah. to this end, 
Nomadland in the best picture category ended up defeating uh, The Assistant, First Cow, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, and Relic. I Four honest, films like, that will not get Oscar. Yeah, I'm about to say, like, that's like, I, I'm kind of surprised that uh, uh, Sound of Metal wasn't. I would have thought Sound of Metal would have been well, a contender for that. But Riz Ahmed got it. He got Best Actor, sure. did he not? Sure. Yeah, um, he did. And, and, okay. and I do see him, his, his stock rising in the Best Actor category. Um, a, a race that I feel like was potentially talked about being sort of a, a foot race between Anthony Hopkins and, uh, and Chadwick Boseman. Um, and now it seems like Riz Ahmed is sort of kind of at least joining that crowd. Worth noting that in for the Gotham's Riz Ahmed beat Chadwick Boseman. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Chadwick Boseman. And, but, was and I was surprised, that. like Hopkins wasn't nominated or didn't... Was not nominated. Was. It's also like, it's weird because like, they're also already voting on, like like there are a lot of movies, you know, we haven't seen, was it uh, Malcolm and Marie? Like, right, like, you know, yeah. so, right, right. So this is interesting uh, in the Gotham's. Frances McDormand was nominated in the Best Actress category, did not win... Uh, she lost to Nicole Bahari, who was in a film called Miss Juneteenth, mm-hmm. which is actually a fantastic film, and she's incredibly good in it. But I just find that unusual because Frances McDormand is Nomadland, with all due respect to sure. Chloe Zhao. Um, I mean, she is the movie. <laughs> so yeah. it's a little bit strange to give that best picture and not also recognize uh, Frances McDormand. So uh, the other one was Kingsley Benadir, uh, who won for Breakthrough Actor for playing Malcolm X in One Night in Miami. That movie scares me from an awards perspective of those guys all stealing focus from each other yeah uh, I, well i read that like what two are going for actor and two are going for supporting actor okay i asked the four of them because because we spoke to them over the weekend one of the questions i asked was you know you you, you know this is such an ensemble piece and all of mm-hmm. you guys like have formed really such a brotherhood and you, you know mm-hmm. you're all and it, and it only works if all of you are in this together yet we were about to enter a period of time where you're all about to be pitted against each other. <laughs> and, and what kind of conversations you have to have, you know, ahead of that going like, okay, we're, we're about to enter this narrative where people are going to be deciding which of us is better than the other. Mm. And, and they all gave very, you know, honest, and, you know, or, or very, you know, kind of like, look, like we, you know, if, if, if anyone gets nominated, it makes more people watch the movie kind of thing. But like, that's kind of a shame. Like if the four of us, like we're like entering into this world where like we had to listen to uh, groups of total strangers decide which one of us was the best. I right. would feel bad for the three of you when I you don't watch the you don't check out the Twitter feed. <laughs> Twitter feeds a lot of uh, that. No, it scares me. It scares G- me. Gabe, you have not seen One Night in Miami yet, correct? No, I'm watching that this weekend when it drops. Uh, Jake, if you had to <laughs> do exactly what you just said <laughs> <laughs> and give an award to one of the four. Who are you choosing? I gotta say, I gotta say Kingsley. His his Malcolm X, I thought was one. I thought Malcolm X had uh, sort of the best scenes and the most sort of to chew on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought his performance with that uh, with that man, um, a really interesting period of time. Not too long before he was uh, he was assassinated. Mm-hmm. Um, where you really are questioning, you know, what, what he was dealing with at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought he just really, I mean, I mean, you, you think of obviously Denzel being sort of the end all be all when it comes to playing Malcolm X, but the fact that we could now even have a conversation where there are two equally great performances that you could even like talk. I'm not, I'm not saying it's as good, but the fact that we could even be having a conversation where you could sort of go. I mean, it's a different movie, right? It's a different movie. It's a different performance. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like, like Denzel's was far more widespread. This is much more focused. 
Um, I don't know. What about you? Uh, to that end, I'm going with uh, Eli Gorey uh, and his mm-hmm. performance as Cassius Clay. Um, and, and that, without even knowing who he'd be up against, it feels like a great supporting performance. Um, you'd put him in that category, uh, which might be interesting if he ends up going lead because it's hard. None of them are really lead or they're all lead. I'm not quite sure which direction to, <laughs> to go with it. It feels like they have the, the most amount of screen time. But but I think a lot of the film hinges on uh, Cassius and his conversion uh, to uh, the Nation of Islam, but also the the weight on his shoulders of how he is uh, supposed to use his platform. Some yep. of that goes on to Sam Cooke, and I think Leslie Odom Jr. is phenomenal uh, as Sam Cooke, but I think a lot of that falls on Cassius, of like, you are a global uh, personality right now, yep. and if you don't use that to speak to some of the injustices that are going on right now, I think it's a really difficult role. I also think it's really difficult to portray somebody who ever who is so recognizable to mm-hmm. all of us. Um, and you know, you talk about Denzel. You have Will Smith who played uh, yeah. Muhammad Ali in a film, and I believe got a nomination, but did not get the win. Is that how that went? That or did sounds he right. That nominated? is correct. Yeah, yeah. That's well, right. Will Smith's never won. Oh, okay. okay. Um, so uh, I thought he's tremendous. I thought was, I thought he nailed the charisma. Um, yeah. Of and and Samantha on our on our staff interviewed him, and she had a tremendous question for him. She said, uh, "Cassius is so." charismatic and likable but he's also just so arrogant and self-centered like how do you make an arrogant character likable and um he gave this fantastic answer about like that's who cassius was and that and he had that challenge as well too you know like um he wanted to be full of self-confidence but then also didn't want people to turn against him so sure um, i i do think it's interesting though that the two that we named of the four i feel like and and by no means are we trying to be dismissive of any of the four by by doing exactly what i said i didn't want to do um but (laughs) leslie odom jr is the one who's actually getting the most oscar buzz for uh for sam cook interesting and maybe it's just because he takes it that extra level of actually singing in the film which, you know, anytime you throw that element in there, it kind of puts someone a little bit more ahead of the competition. For sure. So, Well, are your interviews up yet? Yeah. Head they, over have to dozens, the, they have dozens of views. Head over to the Jake's Takes YouTube channel and uh, and enjoy him talking to the cast of One Night in Miami. I'm sure it's outstanding. Um, before we get too far into this year, let's single out our five most anticipated films of 2021 so if you were only able to go see five films this year or stay at home and watch five films sure uh one of gabe's is absolutely dune but i wonder what his other four are gabe why don't you run through and tell us what your other four are <laughs> or is sure. you not one of them i would what be, if it wasn't i'd be shocked if it wasn't number one <laughs> what if i was just pissed i was like no if i have to see it at home i'm out pissed at what denise oh, okay. Denise. <laughs> Denise. Um, okay, so so my list is pretty fun, I think. Uh, you'll have to... Release dates are a nightmare. Um, and I found that, like, I, I referenced sure. several lists. But let me know if, if any of these have moved. I have some backups ready. Uh, number five, I have The Last Duel. Ridley Scott directing Ridley Scott, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and Adam Driver. Now, I will concede that Matt Damon with a ponytail and a sword, historically, is not fantastic (laughs) but ridley scott with a with a sword and shield period piece adam driver ben affleck and matt damon together i'm excited about that 
it's, and the really story is more. nuts. It's like it's, it's the yeah. true story of the, I, I, the last time that France ever had a trial by combat. Yes, it was like the last sanction, and it was like sanctioned. two friends essentially who had to do it. Yeah, it and, was. I, I think it was like a knight and a squire or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it was. It's the sort of you know, it's it's a fairly graphic story as to why it is that they are doing this, but it's it's why it's a wild story, man. And I think Ridley Scott, I think, can nail it. I'm in. I'm in. So, all right, so I'll keep moving. Number four, I have Death on the Nile, uh, which maybe is a Ooh. maybe is an oddball pick. You guys know that for me, a Who Done It? You is saw that a, trailer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, for me, that a Who Done It is the first uh, one, right? I love the first one. <laughs> I love the first one. A Who Done It for me is a is comfort food. Uh, yes, Knives true. Out is very much that movie. I love a good mystery. I especially love a mystery where it's snowing outside. Everyone's huddled into uh you know this train car i absolutely love the first movie i had a great experience watching the first movie and part of this is is wishful thinking uh because i have such a great memory of um i had a random saturday where i my afternoon freed up and i was like i'm just gonna go see a movie and i went and saw that by myself had a grand time uh and i hope i get to do the same this year so it's a bit wishful i'm also very excited about it kenneth Branagh as uh poirot i think is great it's just mm-hmm. as it's just as over the top as it should be um, number three, I have Judas and the Black Messiah, which we'll be watching, watching it tonight. I'm very jealous. I, uh, I have to wait until it comes out. I believe, um, not much. I you need to say, me. yeah, <laughs> bastards, uh, Daniel Kaluuya on like FaceTime he... tonight and just point it at your TV. Yeah, that'll, that'll do it justice for me. <laughs> exactly how I like to watch movies. So what did they say, Jake? Uh, hang on. I got to rewind it. <laughs> <laughs> his name is Judas. The talent behind that, even to That's Ryan Coogler. Oh my god! Number three, Judas <laughs> and the Black Messiah. Good, good one. Daniel Kaluuya uh, looks fantastic in that. Oh my god, it looks great. Well, Keith Stanfield, everyone, everyone involved yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. Also, Jesse um, Plemons, who I love. Jesse Plemons, fantastic. Uh, Last night in Soho for number two. Yeah, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. Uh, I'm always Anya Taylor Joy, who I think has become I would maybe qualifies sure. as a show favorite. I think everyone here has really enjoyed I think so. yeah. Queen's Gambit. Yeah. Um, and then number one mm. is the Snyder Cut. No, it's Dune. Yes! It's Dune. Yes! <laughs> it's 100 Dune for all the reasons that I mentioned last year of why it's it's going to be the greatest movie of the year. This is fun because we did this in Washington D.C. And, yeah. Uh, oh, that's right. And you yes, reach, I have that list them, handy. Yeah. Some of them were. You know, I think Dune was mine. Yes. In DC, yeah. And mine was Ghostbusters Afterlife, and so Ghostbusters Afterlife I thought like is. Yours was Mank. Oh, it was your I, number yeah. one. Yeah. So here, sure here's what the show uh, last year we did. Last year we made a show top five where we did an aggregate score of everybody's. Number five was Top Gun Maverick. Didn't come out. Uh, number four was Wonder Woman 1984. Number three was Mank. Number two was Dune. And number one was Tenet for last year's okay. list. Okay. Show one. Not wide. too bad then. It was Not a pretty good bad. list. Some of those made it. Some of them made some, it. Some of those made it to the air. Uh, I'll go really fast and I will point out that my number one uh, for the year is Spider-Man 3 but I'm also deeply concerned that that movie is not actually going to come out. In That's December. what, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm concerned that it's not the movie we're building it up to be. Oh, Oof. I 100% that's, that's the that's case. why as it like i'm crazy excited about it except the fact that i think i'm building it up to be something that's not coming till later yes i think half of the things that, that are that are maybe like half half of the yeah. things that have been rumored are actually going to happen yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but, I, but it's a third Marvel Spider-Man movie. I would be excited for it. Does regardless, random but random question: Does does Morbius's release date affect Spider-Man three at all? It shouldn't. Shouldn't. Um, and even if Venom Venom is down for uh, July, June or July right now, and even if that had to move, I don't think it would affect anything. I would imagine um, Marvel would make sure that was the case, but it's more that if Marvel has to move any of its other stuff, yeah, um, it might affect Spider-Man, but it might not because what's ahead of it is Black Widow, which is a prequel, and Shang Chi, which I don't assume is connected. Should be um, yeah. and Eternals, which shouldn't be connected either. So theoretically, I'm just thinking that if everything is starting to move back by that point, then sure, you know, December's yeah, yeah, gonna yeah. be a, a hot mess. So Spider-Man Three is my number one. Uh, no Time to Die is my number two. I not, not just for being a new Bond film. I like Carrie Fukunaga a lot. I want to see yes. what he brings to it. I'm very intrigued by the departure of Daniel Craig. I don't think we've ever had a Bond who has said going into his film that this is my last one. I think they've all that that's all been decided after the fact. So this has given them the opportunity to potentially write it into story. And this is uh, Craig has been the only one that's had a story arc that has essentially carried over from film to film to film. So um, I don't know if it's going to be like a passing of the baton type thing or if they figure a way to give him a happy ending. So I really want to see how that goes. Number three, I went with Ghostbusters Afterlife, hoping that that still comes out. I am very intrigued at what uh, Jason Reitman is going to do with that. I love the fact they're bringing the original guys back. I love all the people who are tied to the um, the main story, Carrie Coon, of course, being one of them. And so um, I just feel like that's going to hit the nostalgia sweet spot for me. The Snyder Cut, of course, is on there. I am dying to see what happens with that. Uh, obviously, if you've listened to the show for even a, a minute, you know what my fascination with that is. So that's why that's there. And my fifth one might be a bit of a surprise, but it's The Many Saints of Newark. And I'm excited because this is definitely coming to HBO Max. The Sopranos prequel. Um, you got James Gandolfini's kid playing Tony and a, another killer cast, Vera Farmiga and um, Ray Liotta and uh, David Chase returning to that world. Um, I probably don't talk about this enough on the show, but I love The Sopranos. Uh, I, was, I don't was think on. I realized how big of a Sopranos fan you were. I really, really love it, and I'm, I, and have been on a on a on a kick lately to get back into doing a full rewatch of the I'd show. I'd like to do that too. If you do that, I'll do. Well, I'd, I'd say that. I don't have a lot of time for it. I've I'd never like seen to, the Sopranos. How's the never seen Sopranos? <laughs> never seen the Sopranos. Hey Kevin, how's Lost? We could do this all day. <laughs> yes, we could. Uh, the Sopranos. That's why he called in sick, so he didn't have to answer it's for that. So, you, Gabe, you have to watch The Sopranos just for Gandolfini. Like, yeah, you will be blown away by how good he is in that part. I've seen um, several bits of his else. performance, but yeah, it, uh, I do need to watch it. You're, you're right. Andy Falco is oh, tremendous in that show. Uh, it's so many incredible, even like, like a bunch of guests. Like Steve Buscemi has an amazing guest arc as his cousin, yeah. as his cousin Tony. Oh yes. my God. The, the Russian episode. There's so many amazing dude. It's it's phenomenal. And so yeah, I, I kind of want to get it. And um, I can remember. So I can remember we were living down here, and Michelle and I were newly married, and I didn't have HBO, and I went. I drove over to my mom's condominium, but she was out of town, and she had HBO to watch the finale. And when it cut to black, like ever, I'll never forget, like everyone else, I assumed that like the power went out yeah. or the, the cable dropped its feet or something like the gut reaction to that ending yeah. is still really visceral. And uh, in hindsight, thinking about it, I think it's a brilliant way to to end. 
I, I don't I kind of don't understand anybody who's mad at that ending. I think it's really fitting. So um, I'm intrigued to see what he does with that movie. I've grown into it. I, I feel like we, we shouldn't be talking about the ending now that Gabe has admitted to not having seen it. Well, but I think but, I okay, kind of know are the you, ending. I would say, are you you? I don't understand how you can like like have a job in pop culture and not I don't I don't want to ruin it for any it. listeners that maybe are gonna want to binge it. But I sure. feel I think I know the ending because when it, it this happened, is, this it was where a big I get, thing. Like on my high horse. Yeah, this is this is this well, is where I, I, I get on my hill anything? that I die on, which is no, like the, we can. Here's what happens. <laughs> beat by beat. Um, but this is coming early. to HBO Max, uh, even if theaters are still in a bad shape in March. So I'm excited for it. Uh, Jake, you're up. All right, I got to find my list. Hold on. I texted Gabe. All right. <laughs> uh, my number five, No Time to Die. Nice. I'm with you. And then I'm mostly, I, I'm not sure that it would have made my list if it weren't his last Bond. Mm-hmm. But because there has since been such a narrative thread through all of Daniel Craig's Bond films, I can't help but wonder if they're going to do something with it being his last one, unlike anything we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I I know people get mad at this idea, but like I wouldn't be opposed to them killing off his Bond. I'm not saying, obviously, they're not going to kill off the character of James Bond because we're already talking about who's going to be the next one. But like, why couldn't his, in the same way that like, you know, even though he didn't really, but like Batman, like Christian Bale's Batman was killed. Like, why, why couldn't they? Like, why couldn't they kill off his Bond? Um, uh, my number four, uh, just because I love these films, the new Mission Impossible. Uh, I, oh, nice. I just, I mean, I, 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 I it's, it's the only series out there that I genuinely think is getting better every single film. Like every film, I think is better than the last. Um, and and you know that I, I think with with the uh, Macquarie coming back, I mean, what, who knows what the hell is going to happen? Um, number three, Matrix Four. Uh, you know, I, I am a defender of Matrix Two and Three. Um, and I can't help but think that like uh, Lana Wachowski, who is I think the sole director on this, probably has had time to maybe look back at some of the faults about how it ended and thought about, okay, like how can I retcon this? Or, or, I was going to say, you saw part three, right? I like it. I like part three. I think, I think, part, I think part three. I think, I think the, the fight scene in the end is awesome. Um, and I think the freeway chase in, in Reloaded is one of the best like chase scenes of all time um for sure so yeah i i'm very intrigued to see and also like technology and the world of computers has changed a lot since since the revelation revolutions um and so i'll be curious to see like how the updating of technology has, you know that's the bible uh, yeah. revelations <laughs> well, <laughs> well it's still like it's still the end it's still the that end that might be right? what so she called that might be what they call uh matrix four who knows do you think it's odd Lawrence fishburne is not back or do you think that's story I do, specific? I do, especially considering the fact that he's the only one that actually survived. Of yeah. What, what yeah. I am disappointed about um, is that that Lana, she wanted to bring back Hugo Weaving as Agent Smith, mm-hmm. but couldn't get him back because he had a scheduling conflict with a play he was doing in London. But what's ended up being, he could, just couldn't get out of it. He was committed. It just happened to be whenever he they were filming Matrix 4. But with the, the thing is, now what I'm curious is, is he back and we don't know it because obviously like theater shut down they mm-hmm. were able to move forward with production or was it too late and they couldn't rewrite it and they had to you know i'd be curious to see if they were able to find a way to bring him back. i hope they brought him in and i and i actually hope that fishburn is actually in it and it's just been coy uh this whole time i, 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 I if that's story case. specific if if because i know that there's another actor who's been cast in it who they thought might be young morbius like if that's sure. part of the plot then fine yeah, yeah. then i understand yeah. that but we'll see yeah. Um, and my one is doing for, for all the reasons that, you know, I, that Gabe 
would explain more eloquently. Oh, no, wait, no, my number two, number two, number two, number two, number two is Spider-Man 3. Thank you, I was going to say. Yeah, 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 sorry, 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 yeah, (laughs) Spider-Man 3, but very much a hang-up in that, like, I think I'm excited for a movie that's not actually happening. Yeah. I Like, the reason it is so high for me is because I keep convincing myself it's this Spider-Verse film. It's going to be a highlight of all your favorite things. It's going to be an introduction to the idea of the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. I think down, I think it's setting up the movie that I want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'm, I'm getting I'm wrapping my head around the fact that maybe I shouldn't be as excited as I am. Um, and then number one being Dune for all of the reasons that Gabe explained more eloquently than uh, than I ever could. Dune Part One. Dune Part Whoa, well, well, we'll see. <sighs> see, I, I, my heart sinks when I think of what if they don't. But like, that's what it is, isn't that how he's yeah. treating it? No, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the like right it. way to do it's it. It's like the first hit. It's the right Half way to Dune. do it. Yes. Do. I should call it do. (laughs) Do. Uh, This week in movies. Uh, Liam Neeson has a movie coming out called The Marksman. Did you guys do that junket? Yes, Eric did it. He got Neeson and someone else paired. I forget who it was. Uh, But I did not ask him how the movie is. Promising Young Woman, which we've raved about on the show, uh, is coming to VOD. Collective Real Blend Top 5, I believe. It was. It was number three? Or four, three or four. If you haven't yet had a chance to go listen to our conversation with Emerald Fennell, uh, please do that and check out Promising Young Woman. Uh, this is one of the titles that was in theaters, but is benefiting from that very short window that Universal yeah. negotiated. It's a focus features film. Uh, Locked Down is coming to HBO Max. Jakey has seen it. Tell us about your girl's it. new film. You know, I got to be honest with you. I actually really liked it. For people that don't know, the whole kind of bit behind the film is that it was conceived written and filmed during quarantine and it's basically about a couple that uh, is not doing well and kind of just about to split before being forced to lock down together obviously it hits a lot of very familiar beats that were all kind of uh, you know for well, who's in it mention quite, who's in it people might also oh, so so it's Anne hathaway and truth tell edge for okay. are the couple that, that are married um and while well, after getting past sort of the and accepting the fact that okay they're locked down together through particular circumstances, they come up with the idea of stealing a diamond. Um, it, 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 it gets there. because, it, <laughs> Yeah. But here, here's what I'll say is that I actually did enjoy it. And I did. Ocean's I, 8 spinoff? It does kind of have an Ocean's 8 sort of feel to it. Um, the live, that was a but, live reaction of Sean watching the trailer there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's interesting because I'm just not sure like I was ready to experience a lot. I mean, like it's, it's well-written Doug Lyman directed it. Who is like, a, like a very established, like it's not some random person who they got to show up and do it's Doug Lyman. Like he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the showcasing of, of how sort of quarantine and lockdown affected all of us. And then I'm assuming affected a lot of couples that were forced to kind of stick together, especially couples that, you know, I'm sure this is a very real thing where couples were having trouble. And then all of a sudden we're forced to kind of like face each other in these very intense and close quarters, um, in crazy circumstances. And then it ends up being sort of this fun kind of heist film at the end. There are a lot of aspects about it. I really like, I'm just not sure that I was ready to like that. I'm that, that any of us are far enough removed from this to be able to, to look at a scene where like people are lined up to go to a grocery store and a guy walks out with stacks of toilet paper. Absolutely. Like absolutely. I'm not quite sure yeah. I'm ready to laugh at that just yet. And a lot that's- of it is played for humor. And, and, and while so much of the film is well done and well written and well acted, I mean, both Chiwetel and Anne are, are fantastic. 
I feel like I would have loved this movie 10 years from now, 15 years from now. Okay. But like right now, I'm just sort of like, look, like, oh yeah, I really enjoy it. But like, give me, give me a break, you know, but, but I, this is a better version of what I guess kind of like Songbird wanted to be, which is like take advantage of a moment. I still think the most perfect example of using this moment that we're in in history for entertainment is host. Yeah. Um, in which case it kind of sets it up, but then like does its own thing. This very much relies on like, hey, remember that time when everyone bought toilet paper? Like it kind of, and I'm just like, are we ready to revisit that yeah. yet? The big difference is, I still haven't seen hosts, so maybe I don't know. But the, in host, you're supposed to be scared. It's a movie that's supposed to scare you, but it's sure. a, not about the pandemic scaring you. Right. Like it's not exactly. about that. I think that's a major mm -hmm. difference in the way it took its creative approach. Sure. But you'd recommend Lockdown. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be available on HBO Max. So like okay. the irony of like many people are going to be watching it while locked down and while in quarantine. And, right. and you know, the chemistry between Anne and Chiwetel is, is really fantastic. And it's a really like, it's you. I think you will be very, I was very pleasantly surprised. I sort of went in with the attitude of like, is this some, you know, like the, the whole bit, I, you know, I think, you know, it's kind of being sold on the like, hey, it, this was filmed during quarantine, which um, like is a part and it's like, I don't care. But they're, so, but they're in scenes together though, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like it was, it was one of the first, keep in mind, like a, a lot of other movies right now are being filmed under yeah. sort of, but this is one of the first big ones that they were able to pull off. Okay. Uh, so much so that a lot of the extra, like, so they shoot uh, a lot of scenes at Herod's. A lot of the, the, because they couldn't really get extras there because of all the COVID protocol, a lot of the like extras that I built are actual like, Herod's employees oh, who really? just so happen to be there working, abiding by all the COVID precaution. Huh. Uh, so, they, so they got pretty creative in how they were able to pull it. Doug Lyman told me something really interesting, which is that like moving, because I asked him, I said, what, what did you experience directing this film that moving forward could influence how you make movies? And he said that like, now any complaints I have about being able to pull off anything, I'm going to be able to say, well, we have to be able to like, like, look, look at what we were able to accomplish while abiding by every single COVID rule. Right. If we were to pull that off, there's no reason. And I, I told him my, my go-to joke is anytime I ever do a live shot with Fox and they say, Oh, we can't get signal out of this place or you can't go live from there. Cause the, a lot of the buildings in Chicago are like old marble buildings and stuff. And I always say, you know, we went live from the moon. <laughs> so that's, that's my go-to. Like, like if, if we went live, like I understand how we can't go live from like inside a courthouse when we let, we went live from the moon. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to give us the, not with that attitude. No, that, oh, that's, you know, that's, that, that's, that's my playful. My, my, that's my, whenever I'm playing, like my, uh, Fun my, I, we went live from the moon is when I'm starting to get That still makes me laugh. When you come out with it really fast, it still makes me laugh to, the, to this day. Uh, One Night in Miami is coming to Amazon Prime Video. We have talked at length about Regina King um, and her amazing accomplishment. Outside the Wire is a Anthony Mackie film that's coming to Netflix. Uh, we did the junket for that one too, but I did not get a chance to see it. Um, Mike did it today. And so you can look for that content on Cinema Blend. And then WandaVision season one, episodes one and two. Spoilers are off. I'm sorry. The embargo is lifted. <laughs> we are not going to get into spoilers, but what we will it's say. It's not really much we can spoil. It, yeah, that's true. Um, because it's still a pretty big mystery. But I guess what we can, we can a little bit explain on the surface is that... Um, it definitely does adapt the classic sitcom format that people have been seeing. Uh, mm -hmm. Each episode is going to be a new decade. So it starts, episode one would start in the 50s. It's essentially a Dick Van Dyke um, rip. And it's putting Wanda and Vision into a an episode of what would be a Dick Van Dyke type show for them. 
Um, but I don't think it's giving much away to say that the show makes it pretty clear that at times throughout the episode, they don't know why they're in it, right? Like they go through most of the show kind of kind of being in the in yeah. the show and being characters from the show, and then they do break character every once in a while to hint at like, why are we in this? You they're know, they're almost like like the audience, like they're, they're the voyeur for the audience. And because, because, you know, like them, we also don't know. Cause you know, it, it can't just be a bit like, Oh, isn't it fun to watch these characters in sitcoms? Right. They're, you know, if you're going, if this is going to be part of the MCU and the MCU narrative, there has to be a reason. I, I have a theory. I don't know. Is it a spoiler? If I give my theory, probably at this point. Yes. I would think it is. Cause people yeah. haven't seen much of anything. Mm-hmm. I would let people watch it before we start getting into can I can, can ask a you could tell question? Me I want to hear it. Can I ask a question? No. And feel free to answer with no comment if you think that it's maybe too too spoilery. Do you know when the show is set within the MCU's timeline? Yeah. No. Okay. That's what I Not said. Yet. Yeah. Um, there is an over. There is a bigger mystery though, and it's sure. hinted at strongly in episodes one and two. Mm-hmm. There are there are bits that hint at that there's bigger and things three. going on. And three, yes. We've, we, we, so we saw, we've seen the first three. Um, Jake, I want to ask you, though, this is Marvel's first foray into sitcom television. Sure. Um, did you think it worked? For the most part, yes. Um, I know we've seen the first two. I don't think it's we're, we're ruining anything by saying that, like, I really dug. And here's the deal. It's probably going to be a case-by-case basis. Since mm. Each episode is a different style of sitcom and a different era of sitcom. I really dug them in... Uh, Dick Van Dyke, I really dug them in what is kind of like Bewitched. Um, the third episode we saw is a little bit more sort of like the Brady Bunch, which leaned a little bit too much on the sitcom shtick because like while I do enjoy the weirdness of them being in the sitcom, I also like, I also kind of like, okay, let's keep this, like, like give me some bit as to like why this is so weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you watch the trailer, you clearly see that like it looks like it starts to turn full-blown Marvel, I'm assuming by the end. It looks like there are action scenes, mm-hmm. um, which we saw none of really. Um, and so, you know, I, I for the most part, yes, I would say it worked. And, and, you know, I, I, I almost wish that like they just gave us the first two because after the first two, I was like so like into it. And then by the third one, I was sort of like, yeah, okay, all right, all right, well, that's, that's an episode. You are um, tough to please. Oh, okay. Okay. Why do you feel? No, I I do agree with you. In the third episode, the sitcom shtick was too heavy. Yeah. Um, they it gets slapsticky for a reason that I don't want to give away. Um, there's a plot point that they that they uh, try to lean into. What what most impressed me about it is that it doesn't in any way, shape, or form feel like a long movie chopped up into pieces. Correct. They they designed it to be episodic, mm-hmm. and they designed it so that the characters completely understand that they are in different episodes, uh, which I found really fascinating. Yep. I think it's cool that Marvel is using its silver screen talent, its A-list talent, and Paul Bettany and, and Elizabeth Olsen are just transitioning to television. Um, and I thought that their comedic chemistry, which is not something that the MCU ever needed to really lean on, uh, is ridiculously good. Um, I thought that they were really great really great with the humor of each of the decades i thought the the way that they played the jokes in the 50s and the and with the way that they played the jokes in the 60s were very relevant to the to those eras and i just thought that elizabeth olsen in particular just really struck me at how 
fast and smart and funny she is uh, in terms of being uh, tremendously gifted. So I'm all in. I can't wait to see where they go with it. I, I do want to hear more about the big mystery. I'm yeah. hoping that we don't have to get several episodes into the sitcom bit. You know, we've it's, seen it's three. nine, right? It's nine. Yes. We've seen three. Um, uh, I, I think the 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 reveal is starting to come, I hope anyway. But if we're four and five into it and, and the show is still like, isn't the sitcom bit funny? I'm going to be like, no. <laughs> No, get to the get to the main story. So, but I highly recommend it. And if you like all the MCU stuff up to this point, I I think you should definitely check it out. So, uh, that starts on Friday. So make sure you tune in to Disney Plus. Not a sponsor of the show. Uh, this week's blend game. We are after doing Chris Pine. Gabe mentioned we're going to do one of the other Chris's, Chris Walken, and we're playing hashtag Christopher Walken blend. A varied career uh and so i will start with gabe gabe what is your favorite christopher walken some might call this a bit of a cop-out but uh, it's truly one of my favorite performances ever that he's done he uh, he's done he's done too many i think we all got together today and we're like this is incredibly hard he's just he's good in so many this things this is one of the hardest we've, ones we've done in a while <clears throat> but for me uh, one that sticks out is maybe the earliest time that i noticed christopher walken um and he was fully Christopher Walken in it is Pulp Fiction. Um, I think if you can if you can cast Christopher Walken and he tells you you can have him for one scene, make it as good of a monologue <laughs> as that scene is. Um, and the editing in that scene complements his performance incredibly. It gets like closer and closer as he gets to as he goes through kind of these really awful things about war that he's telling to a little kid, and then it <laughs> zooms out to a wide as soon as he starts talking about shoving things in his ass. Um, for comedy's sake, obviously, uh, it's a brilliant scene. He's great in it, and I, I think, uh, in the way that that movie is put together, I think having him in that role. Um, who, who, who else? Who else do you have deliver that monologue? You can't. So yeah. for me, Very that's true. an absolute favorite. That that was a knee jerk reaction for me, but then I started. I know we often have debates on like, okay, are we picking the movie that this person is in, or the? And I, I couldn't wrap my brain around. If I was, if I was, and granted, he like to your point, he is fantastic in that in that one scene in that monologue. But I couldn't yeah. wrap my brain around was I picking the film or the performance. So I ended up not going with Pulp Fiction. So you went with? Oh, is it me? It is. Go ahead. Okay, so I so I really you know I grew up with like Christopher Walken being like the bad guy, right? Like he, like he's the, usually the bad guy in film. He's such a great villain, and, and often he's like a villain sometimes with like a twinkle in his eye. But the more I kept going back to one performance, which is almost the antithesis of, of the, the walking that I grew up loving. And I went with Catch Me If You Can. Okay. Nice. And, you know, in a, in a movie that stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks to be, <laughs> to give what is probably the best performance in that film, I think says a lot. And it's a very understated performance, but it's so fast. Like he is such an interesting actor to watch, watch other people. And what I mean by that, particularly in this film, you know, this is a character who has like clearly kind of gotten screwed over by life. He's being cheated on by his wife. And so, you know, and then all of a sudden his son starts finding great success and these professions like just out of nowhere. And there's a lot of very understated understanding with, with that character, Frank Abagnale Sr., where that only Walken can pull off because he has such like knowledge in his eyes. And you're looking at him and you know deep down, like, he knows his son is doing something that's not right. He knows that his son is doing something that's probably illegal. It's kind of shady. If anything, he taught him how to do that kind of stuff from an early age. 
but he's almost to a certain degree, if not, not just justifying it, but enjoying it because he wasn't able to get that out of life and he wasn't able to screw over the man like that. So now his son is. So in a way he's kind of getting back at all the people that always screwed him over. And he, he's able to express all of that without really saying all of that stuff, you know, and the fact that he can get so much, you know, usually, I mean, in so many like great scenes, walking is like chewing the scenery and screaming and shouting and, you know, and I feel like it's actually his most subdued performance. It's my favorite. He has a great moment where he's having dinner with DiCaprio and DiCaprio is at that point a pilot. And he has this kind of mini monologue where he basically says like, all of these people are looking over their shoulder and they're wondering like, you know, where are you flying to? And he kind of, there's a beat and, and, and Spielberg cuts to him and he, he looks at DiCaprio and he goes, where are you going, Frank? And mm. in that line, I just felt like he's saying like, I know you're full of shit yeah, and yeah, I yeah. know you're lying, but like, good for you, dude. Good for you. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like because he's able to do, and he got Oscar nominated for that part. And if I remember the Oscar race that year was pretty close, like it was him and, and Chris Cooper for adaptation. And I think it was between those two. A lot of people were going back and forth between the two, but I just thought, I, I mean, I, I couldn't, I, it's, it's, you know, I always often say this, like I keep going back to one and try to justify others, but that's the one I kept going back to. So my answer, great, great description, by the way, and that is a phenomenal, that's an overlooked Spielberg, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. sure. um, it doesn't get the credit that it deserves a fully, I don't think. Um, I, my Some would say he's answer, the greatest director of all time. Some, the, not all. <laughs> two out of three people I hear would say. The real answer is uh, his his dancing in the Weapon of Choice video, the Fat Boy Slim <laughs> video. Uh, yeah. Gabe and I shared that today, and it's it's delightful. Well, um, are you really picking that? No, but 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 it's inspiring. I, I would my be okay. If you pick that, I would be like. I think I'm. I love that music video as a favorite performance. I mean, he. It's it's a performance. There's undeniable Mine performance. Piggybacks off of that because my choice, in all honesty, is hairspray. Um, oh, he's so great in hairspray. He is phenomenal. I love hairspray. For, hairspray is so much better than it should be. It makes um, me so happy to watch. It, it makes me so happy. Everything about that movie is joyous. Did you do that junket? Yes, I did. I got did walking. Really? I got walking and Michelle Pfeiffer uh, for that junket. Yes. Wow. Oh. And Travolta. Wait, wait, was walking paired with Travolta? No, everybody was solo. Uh, Whoa, Travolta my God. was what a Travolta was paired with the girl. Um, Whoa, what a junket! Travolta was paired with the girl. Efron was paired with someone, uh, and then Walken and Pfeiffer were on their own, and Adam Shankman on his own. So, yeah. if, if I remember correctly, the movie's just a joy. Movie's a delight, and I feel like Christopher Walken got that part. If I had to go back and see if I remembered, I think he got that part after the Weapon of Choice video, and it was oh almost yeah, that was like, way after Weapon of Choice. Was it okay? Then, yeah, then I think people saw after. him in that video, and they were like, "Oh, well, he's a he's a classically trained dancer, isn't he?" I think he is. Yes. Someone, um, one of our listeners, I don't I don't have it up, so I can't give credit. Um, one of our listeners mentioned a story, kind of a secondhand story, where they said a friend of theirs was, I think it was Hairspray. They were on the set. Um, and they were supposed to be a body double and they said they had learned the whole routine and they were on set all day, but they never did any of it because he did it all himself. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. Well, I, I, can believe it, it. So I don't know if it was hairspray yeah, or something he was oh, dancing yeah. in. Hold on. It's bringing up, you know, who else was part of that junket? Queen Latifah was at that junket. It's a great junket. James, James Marsden. James Marsden. So yeah. Marsden was Jeez. paired with Efron. That movie star studded. Um, I don't know. You know, it was, that was a weird junket room of why they were paired together. 
Uh, but that movie's delightful. And yeah. and so I think it's my favorite film that Christopher Walken is in. I'm not saying it's really? his best by any stretch. Um, obviously, it's tremendous in Pulp Fiction. Obviously, The Deer Hunter, you can go down a, a number of amazing things. But I could easily That's pull the, this hairspray. Is a, this is the epitome of best versus favorite. Like like, yeah. like a Christopher Walken career. You know, if we were doing best, then like I feel like we have to take into and and honestly, a uh, true romance was one where I almost went down that path. So if, if yeah, I assume that would have been Kevin's pick. We can. I would yeah, assume I, so I, too. Yeah, yeah, same. So Sean Booker went with true romance. Uh, Mark chose Joe Dirt and Batman Returns. I All thought right. about Batman Returns. All I right. love. That's uh, fair. Yeah, I love Max Shrek. Uh, Indy Christina, Braden Roberts, Juan Ra, and others went with The King of New York. Uh, Jeff Maiman went with The Deer Hunter. John Palmer went with Catch Me If You Can. And there's a lot of love. Oh, a lot of love for Fat, Fat Boy Slim's Weapon of Choice music a lot video. Of people, yeah. What yeah. is the other? There's yeah. another movie with the, with Sean Penn and Chris Penn that Christopher Walken is in. But I can't think of what it is. God, I can't think of what it is. He's also great in Seven Psychopaths. Uh, His line delivery. Yeah. I mean, he has so many amazing line deliveries, yeah. right? Like that's what makes him so memorable. So, have you ever, okay, uh, I got to tell you the story that I interviewed him one time. So I interviewed him for Seven Psychopaths. And uh, it was it was a room with him, Sam Rockwell, and and uh, Colin Farrell. And so the Absolutely whole idea sick. of of Seven Psychopaths, uh, the idea is that like anyone could be crazy, like anyone could be like it could be your neighbor next door, it could be you know the the guy that delivers the milk. And so you know I said, guys, like who is a person in your life that upon reflection you think about <laughs> could actually be a psychopath? <laughs> <laughs> and and they, and Sam gave his answer, which is good, and then Colin gave his answer, which is good. And then uh, I'm trying to out what exactly this answer was, but but Walken said, "Well, you know, I got a guy that comes to my home, and he mows my grass." And like the three of us kind of like leaned forward, and we're like, "That's a good one." And he goes, "And he goes, and I think he could be crazy." <laughs> You know, you guys, this is so inside baseball. You know Tony Tillman, the guy, we call him Tony the Timer, the guy that's in the yeah. junket rooms, that, yeah, yeah. that is in the corner that times it. Kevin's nemesis. We, we all, yeah. We all started, he started laughing. And I always use him as a marker because he's in all the interviews. So if you can make him, just like, we all kind of thought that there was going to be more to the answer other yeah. than like this guy who cuts my grass. I think he's crazy. And I, you know, like, I, I'll, I'll occasionally think about that and just laugh out loud. That is really that funny. Is good. As terrible uh, as your impression was, it still was funny. I'm going to say his impression <laughs> was pretty good. I wouldn't even try a walk-in. And I think Gabe yeah, got, most think Jake impressions got, are bad. Jake got close. No, nah, I won't Come even do it. Uh, for next week, you can reach out on Twitter using hashtag movie dog blend. You're going to tell us your favorite dog from a movie. Uh, yeah. Let us know your pick via email at realblend at cinemablend.com. I, I, this is not an exaggeration. I'm, I'm not joking when I say this. If you pull up the, that that clip from Homeward Bound, yeah. where they are walking back into that damn house, yeah, yeah, I okay. cry. Really, I weep. Ugly, like, like, if, like, if, if I were an actor and I needed to like get it to a place and start yeah. crying, that's I would turn on that Homeward. That's the clip. Oh my god! Oh, are you kidding me? And Shadow starts running toward Peter, yeah. and and after all the crap Shadow's been through, he says, "He's like, oh, Peter, you're okay." He just ran across the freaking country for this family and he's like worried oh my god my, my poor my poor dog we're gonna oh. we're gonna turn on zoom next week to start the show and jake's gonna be like no, yeah i, I figured sw- my pick I, out if i were to turn it on right now i would start crying it's oh, also that's... a great score oh people who are listening back me up on twitter back me up on social media that scene is a 
tear jerker of a scene. It's very funny because Jake, do you give Daenerys a voice? Does Daenerys yeah. talk to oh, you? God, yeah. 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 So squ- yeah, it's 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 kind of it's like, it's, it's like derpy. Is it really? Poor girl. Hey, 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 I'm snoozing. Uh, I'm snoozing. When I try to wake her, I she was like, "Hey, Dad, I'm snoozing." Squirty has a voice also, and uh, what is it? He says, "Well, um, so Squirt one time watched Homeward Bound, right? And it was this. Of course, we watched it as a family when the kids were growing up, and so it's his favorite movie of all time now. So anytime we put the TV on, and we're deciding what we're going to watch, someone in the family makes Squirt say, "Put on Homeward Bound," <laughs> every time. <laughs> That's the way. <laughs> That's- Every, we probably say it once a week. Homeward Bound! Oh my gosh. <laughs> every time. So apparently God. he really enjoyed it. <laughs> and wants to watch it every single time. Alright, anyway. While you are weighing in with hashtag movie dog blend, you can uh, send us a review. Great question, by the way. Did, what, what is your dog's voice? That's a wonderful question. And and everyone is, has a voice for their dog. Of course. Yeah. Uh, and this one comes from... <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh two four six eight ten colon j well okay well that's like a smiley face and like then the smirk? winky face yeah yeah the first one's like a smirk all right anyway they call it the best the best pod- podcast for film lovers i love this podcast and i'm always anticipating every installment every week i love how passionate sean kevin and jake are about movies and how they geek out about all things cinema as a filmmaker and film lover myself from kansas city nothing brings me more joy than tuning in weekly for an hour and listening to great filmmakers be interviewed and industry news being dissected i can't express how amazing this podcast is. I'm hoping you guys can get PTA on the podcast when his next drops. Well, sir, I totally agree with you 100% that I hope that we get uh, Paul Thomas Anderson to join the show. For our premium episode next, we're going to be reviewing the 2003 Academy Awards. So films that came out in 2002. Uh, and in the meantime, we'll be back next week for a new episode. Uh, you can follow us on social media at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV, and at Sean underscore O'Connell. Follow the show at at Real Blend. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week sometime. Until then, I feel like we should say something. What, what should we say? We need something for 21. We gotta pass up on Hubie, dude. We can pass. Hubie can, yeah, this can be the week. But I we still feel like Kevin while he's gone? Something. Are we betraying him? Mm. Nah. Okay. Okay. Well. Well. What director? Like. What's. What's our. Denis. No. Spielberg. I would think is like. All right. Okay. So. So a a Spielberg movie. Hook. Minority Report. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 